Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to the Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are, positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and... Minnie. Minnie, how are you this morning? I'm well. I'm good. You're, you're well this yeah, morning? And yeah. And good? Yeah, I'm good. You're well and good. It was- <laughs> It's one of those days where I went to bed last night. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be so tired waking up. And then I woke up at 20 past five and I was like, oh, I'm fine. Thank you, Jesus. Like, Because sometimes it's just not that easy to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had one of those mornings when I woke up and it was freezing cold. And I looked at my <laughs> clock and I'm like, I'm just going to get, get straight up and I'm going to be ahead of schedule today. So I did. Oh, well done you. Which was great. Mm. And I was kind of going to be at work about 15 minutes earlier than what I normally am. Uh-huh. And then suddenly realised there was a whole bunch of stuff that I have to get done for the day that I'd forgotten to do last night. <laughs> so I'm super thankful that I had an early start because that yeah. meant I was only 15 minutes late getting to work. Hey, perfect. Yeah. Take the win. Like Instead it. of being, um, I probably would have been about half an hour. No, I would have been 45 minutes late and we probably wouldn't have had any news stories this morning. Oh, brilliant. Oh, well, there you go. It worked out so well. God is good. God Absolutely. got me up early, Absolutely. and as a result of that, we are here, and mm. we have new stories, and the breakfast show will go ahead. Oh, fantastic! That's what we like to hear. <laughs> yes, indeed, it is. Okay, have you? Uh, what, what, did you do your thankful yet? You, okay, you know what I'm very thankful for? What's that? I love food. Like, I love flavors. And at the moment, you know how some people can't have the same thing every day? Like, they just, I'll eat the same thing every day, every meal for like two weeks. And at the moment, oh man, I love, oh, I'm so excited. I love beans, like kidney beans with like avocado and lemon and some salt. Oh, it makes me so happy. I had that this morning for brekkie. And so that's going to be, that's going to be breakfast for the next two weeks? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Beans will do you very good. Nothing wrong there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, Minnie, tell us some positively different news on this Tuesday morning. Oh, yes, I will. So, in um, this story is from Chennai in India. Mm-hmm. It's basically in the southern India, east coast. Chennai. Okay, there we go. That place. It's just sometimes you butcher it. I don't know. Um, so, there is a man who his daughter, from the time she was born, has had big heart problems like blockages in her heart and stuff. so she's five years old um she just came out of surgery uh, out of hospital this weekend but basically um go back in time a bit for two years this guy lived next door to a head constable in his area and you know there's just it's just your neighbors you know he's the police but kind of whatever um but as time has um yeah kind of more recent history his daughter needed to go in for her fourth angiogram which is basically, if you don't know, the medical imaging of being able to see inside your arteries, heart, chambers, all those fun things. Plumbing. Yeah. So <laughs> so she has to get a fourth angiogram. Um, her parents can't afford it. Somehow the neighbour, the constable, hears about this and he's like, hey, we're going to help you out. So, nice. he, so he and his police officer friend people, they raise um, – I've got the – so 30,000 rupees, which is around $560. So they go get this angiogram and the local doctor says she really needs open heart surgery. Like this is like she is declining rapidly. Um, you need to do what you can. Of course, they're like, well, we can't afford this. Like We couldn't even afford the angiogram. Doesn't want to tell um, the neighbor because he just feels like it's a burden, just, just doesn't think it's good. So the constable ends up hearing from another neighbor what the situation is. 
and I just think it's so good. He proceeds to, with um, his other police officer friends, they raise some money. So they speak to the local hospital authorities because there was a well-established private hospital near the station. So they talk to them. um, They raise, within their police station people, Uh um, they raise uh, over $800 and then from just government support they get a hundred thousand dollars and then they get another three hundred thousand through sponsors that's a lot of mm, money mm, yeah that's some serious yeah how, how much did they need i don't know it didn't tell me that part. but i'm assuming that they've raised enough to yeah 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 so cover the bills yeah, so she went into hospital uh she went into surgery sorry and it lasted for seven hours Ooh. Mm, and like for a little five-year-old girl that's a big thing on a body Oh. So she was in ICU for two weeks, or 15 days or something, and then in just general ward for another two weeks. In that time, in that month, which has just passed, um, every single one of the police officers in that station has come to visit her. Oh, nice. And, and yeah, just they've just offered help. And um, I think what I love about this story is just that the, these guys are willing. It's like, hey, there's, there's something we can do. And it's not even just them. They go, who can we reach out to? Who can we look to who's willing? And the dad... Um, this has kind of been a massive shift for him because he said he had numerous encounters, uh, bad encounters with police when he was younger. So he, he never expected something like this. And he, he said he never expected that it would be a police officer who has literally saved his child. Um, and so there's just like a fundamental shift now for him in going forward. And I'm my, like, oh, yay. You know, it's one of those <sighs> police, – policing is one of those jobs where when do you have a positive encounter with a police officer? <laughs> You know, seriously, Mm. these are people who are there in our community to do good. Mm. But when I think about it myself, when ever do I have a positive encounter with a police officer? Every time a police officer pulls me over, it's because I've done something wrong. (laughs) And I don't enjoy the experience because it's going to cost me a fine. Mm. Now, do I deserve it? Absolutely <laughs> I deserve it every single time. Uh, but does that make me feel positive towards the police? Not so much. No, it doesn't really. <laughs> now, of course, you know, whenever they pull me over for a breather, I'm like, yes, because I'm never going to be get caught by a breather because I never drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, there's always that nervous little thing like, oh, what if they find something wrong with the car? What if they find something wrong with my license? <laughs> what, if they, what if they find something wrong? Well, it, no, they're not there to find something wrong. They're just there to do a breather. Mm-hmm. But it goes through your head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for even the most law-abiding person such as I like to think of myself, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, even though I am fessing up that I've had a few speeding fines here, he who is without sin cast mm-hmm. the first stone. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things that we need to stop and remind ourselves that these people have chosen to do this job mm. Because they want to make the community a better place, which is why they're making me slow down when I've been speeding. Mm. And that we should see this as actually being a positive. You know, they get, they've been copying so much flack and there's all this defund the police, which, you know, in the United States. And mm. it's just the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard of. And nobody but the activists wants it. Mm. You know, mm. no, no sane person wants it. Mm. Uh, and you know we need to remember this is the, this is a great story here. This is the kind of people that most police officers are. Are there bad eggs? Of course, there's mm. bad eggs. There's bad eggs in every job. There's bad eggs in my job, your job, and everybody else's. And that's all we ever hear about. Absolutely, the one, the one or two bad eggs. Yeah. 
Anyway, great know, story. Thank so you so much exactly. for sharing. It's amazing to hear the good ones, right? Yes. Because, of, like, as you said, it's often the not so good ones. They're the only ones that the media ever yeah. reports. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've got police officers who are doing good all day long every day. Mm. You're never going to hear that in the news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's too ordinary. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so... Um, my next story is about a good Samaritan, Antonio Morgan. So basically he was – oh, okay. He was on the highway and um, this car sped past him and a few moments later he hears this loud crunch and someone has just gone into the cement, like the solid median strip things. Um, the car starts to go like smoky on fire. This guy has his son in the back seat of his own car, but he pulls him out. He's like, my eyes were hurting, my throat was hurting. Um, but he's like, I had to get him out. That's what I had to do. And I used to really want to be a paramedic or, like, first responder. And I was like, yay, this guy. Because, like, by the time, like, a few moments later, the whole car goes up in flames. And, you know, this guy, he's fully saved his life. And and the guy who saved him basically said, people need to put down their phones when they see someone in trouble and just start acting. we got to help. Absolutely. Jump in there and, mm, and get it just done. go for it. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's heroes like this that are doing things every day. It's good to be able to share their stories. Right here on Faith FM, our world is full of so many positive things. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Well, joining me on the phone this morning is Muhammad Zogbi. And Muhammad is pretty much my go-to person whenever I've got questions about Islam. And we've had a major Islamic festival over the weekend. Muhammad, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Lyle. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, Muhammad, I'm wondering whether you could just, uh, for, the, for our listeners, explain to us what is the festival that you have just had and what's it called and what's it, what's it actually all about? So it's called the uh, Festival of Sacrifice, Eid al-Adha. Adha means sacrifice. And what it's about is it's um, it's really based on the um, the footsteps and the story of our prophet Abraham uh, when he uh, took his wife um, Hagar uh, and uh, he had his son Ismail. And um, the, the main point here is that uh, the, the sacrifice was that he, he had a dream, which, which I believe is also in the Bible, where God had um, told him to sacrifice his son. And the moment that he uh, he actually asked his son and told him that I had a dream that God has asked me to sacrifice you, and his son said, Father, do as what your Lord says. And what happened was um, the moment that he was going to sacrifice his son, uh, God sent the angels and, and, and stopped him from doing so and gave him or sent him a, a ram and he sacrificed the ram in his son's place. So the uh, pilgrimage, which we also call the Hajj, is based on that specific story and um, we end up sacrificing a, a, a an, an animal um, in the name of God and we give all the meat to all the needy and the poor people throughout the world. Okay, so this is associated with the Hajj, and I think a lot of people have uh, have heard about the Hajj. Now, just if you could explain a little bit about about the Hajj to us. So the Hajj is where people go on a pilgrimage to Mecca. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Okay, so the pilgrimage to Mecca is based around the uh, the story of Abraham being willing to sacrifice his son, and you know God, the angels, obviously um, stopping him, and God providing uh, a sheep in place of that. Now, when when pilgrims go on the Hajj, uh, 
what actually takes place there in Mecca during that particular uh, festival? Right. So the um, there's a building uh, or a house which we call the Kaaba. That is the first house that was built by the prophet Abraham, Abraham and his son for the pure sake of uh, worshipping the one God, our Lord God. And what we do is we go to the Kaaba, which is built in Mecca, and um, we follow the footsteps of what Abraham, what God asked Abraham to do, where we turn around, we um, we rotate around the Kaaba seven times, and we do another uh, uh, kind of um, action, and that is there are two small hills. One is called the Safama Hill and the Marwa Hill. And that story is um, when Hagar had her baby Ismail in the middle of the desert, she couldn't find any water or food, so she went and started walking um, uh, at those hills, and she walked from one hill to the other searching for water and food seven times. She then saw some vultures flying in the sky. Um, very worryingly, she thought that those vultures were going to um, – she thought that her son was basically passed passed away and was dead. And when she ran – uh, back to where she had uh, placed her son, she noticed that there was a spring of water um, springing from underneath him, which is now called the Zamzam Spring. And that was the reason why there were vultures and birds flying, because they saw water. And the Zamzam, um, at this moment in time, is one of the um, – still gives water to the millions of uh, pilgrims who go to the Hajj today so it's it still gives that water today mm. now with the uh with the sacrifice of the sheep that you mentioned yes. earlier uh in christianity of course we would um see that as being symbolic of the sacrifice of jesus christ in yes. islam what what do you see that is it what would would is would that be similar in any way to uh the christian view of that sacrifice we have the same endpoint. We, we we want the um the the love and the compassion and the mercy of our Lord God. Um, so it leads to the same direction. And with the um, you you mentioned the sacrifice that that at this particular time of year during this festival, right around the world, that Islamic people will um will sacrifice a sheep. And when we sort of think about sacrifice, we you know I, I guess the 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 thought that immediately goes through you know a lot of people's minds would be like well they've they've sacrificed a sheep and they've taken the life of this animal and you know this is a needless life but this is not a needless life necessarily because you don't actually waste this animal any in any way this becomes then food for the poor is that right exactly unfortunately can we say people aren't wasting some people may waste but yes that should be it should be food for the needy, and that's the main aim for it. But let's not forget that these sacrifices were done, um, you know, uh, let's say a thousand or two thousand years ago, when people used to used to have their own sheep and their own, uh, you know, um, farms, and they used to be attached to the, the animals, and it was very difficult to sacrifice them because they raised them. These days we don't feel that anymore, but that was really one of the main main things you were actually sacrificing something that you love i noticed that one of the mosques down in victoria um and this of course was before the uh the full-blown lockdown that they have down there now 
was actually organising a drive-through uh, of food parcels that they were giving out at this time of year as a part of this festival. Is that the same kind of concept, just sort of in a more modern format? Um, I would I would say yes. I've never heard of that before, which is very nice, though. But yes, it could be that kind of uh, concept. Yes. Yeah, so it was basically food parcels that were being passed out to, um, you know, for people that were needy and poor and, and uh, struggling during yes. COVID and so forth. Um, that was, yeah, that was what yeah. was taking place there. Do, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Do, have you heard of other um, – you mentioned that the meat is supposed to be used to, to help the poor. Have you heard of other mosques that have – actually practice this in the way that it should be happening? Does it happen here in Newcastle? Um, yeah, what, what, what actually happens um, as a part of this festival at this time of year? Yeah. So what, what, what happens as well is I pay a um, every year during this period of time, I pay a specific amount of money um, that goes to a, a sacrifice. Now, that sacrifice, does it go to a specific animal? Not necessarily. That could go as a financial support to other people. Um, so, for example, this year I sent uh, $400 to Bangladesh, where I understand that there are a lot of people going through extreme hardship just to get some food on their table. And $400 over there goes a very long way uh, in comparison to, to to in Australia, for example. So that was uh, that. That's something that I did. I did not physically do um, uh, have a, a sacrifice, but I ended up sacrificing some of my money in order for that to happen. And I guess in a modern concept, you know, we don't actually have sheep in our backyard anymore for the most part. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we don't really yeah. have that opportunity. I mean, if we wanted to have uh, sheep at this time of year, we'd need to go and buy some from the supermarket. Um, exactly. I think that, I think it's always a positive thing to have you know festivals and events at various times of the year. And, you know, different religions have them on their calendars where we actually, you know, take time to remember the poor and to do something positive um, in our community. Um, so now the other question I did have was uh, the, 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 this, this festival is associated with the Hajj where you travel to Mecca. Um, I understand that most Muslims would aspire to go to Mecca at some particular point. Would that be correct? Yes. Uh, God says in the Quran that uh, it is our duty to go to Mecca, to the Hajj once in our lifetime, if we are capable of going. So if we've got the financial means of going, it is something that we, is requested of us to do once in our lifetime. And have you been yet? I've been there at, at the time that is not during Hajj, which they call as a Umrah. So yes, I've been there, but I have not um, done the Hajj itself. No, not yet. Sure. No. Now I did have a question that came up as a result of a news story that came out during the week, um, where we had uh, a professor in the United States who had um, stated that Islam was a religion of violence. Yes, he'd received some death threats as a result of that, which kind of, I guess, in some ways confirmed his narrative a little bit. Um, my, my question is, you know, can can violence be justified from the Bible or the Quran? Because both Christianity and Islam promote themselves as being a religion of peace. Should we be religions of violence or religions of peace? Well, um, 
you're talking, you know, when we when we say when we greet each other in in Islam and even the greeting of of our Messiah Jesus um, and of the Jews was shalom and oh salam alaikum, which means peace be upon you. So that's that's the greeting that God has required us to do. So we are as the the godly religions, we are uh, the religions are religions of peace. But you need to question. Um, today, are people people of peace? And do they follow their religion correctly? So where does the justification for violence come from? There is no justification. The first call to fight back in Islam um, is in chapter 22, verse 39. And this is what it specifically says. Permission to fight has been given to those who are being oppressed. And indeed, God is competent to give them victory. The next verse says, those of you who have been um, evicted from their homes unjustly only because they say our Lord is God and were worried not to the Lord God checks the people, some by means of others. There would have been demolished monasteries, churches and synagogues and mosques in which the name of God is much mentioned, is much mentioned. In other words, the very first call for Muslims to fight back in Islam was in order to prevent the um, uh, oppression of an opposing army from going in and destroying the synagogues, the churches and the mosques. That was the very, very first call to fight back in, in Islam. So it was not just to fight, it was not just, it was to fight oppression and to prevent um, the destruction of the word of God. Mm, mm. And I think that's an important one right there because, you know, when you study the history of Jerusalem, for instance, it was uh, held, you know, for many years, obviously, by Islam, but as a place of pilgrimage for people of um, all Abrahamic faiths um, yes. who were able to go there and uh, and go on a pilgrimage there until the, uh, the the Crusades came along, which is an interesting thought because when you look at the history of both religions, both religions have a history of violence. Um, both religions, both Christianity and uh, Islam preach peace and both have a history of violence um, and I think that Christians in the modern era t- tend to try and you know pat themselves on the back and say well we're, we're better than they are over there because we're more peaceful than they are but they kind of forget their history um, that that's not actually the case why do you think that both religions preach peace and neither religion really practices peace a good question, because we practice politics more than we practice the religion. You know, uh, this week is the 75th, 75th anniversary of the bombing of of um, the nuclear bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, for example. Um, Muslims did not do that. Uh, neither does the, the religion of Christianity. Neither does Jesus allow that to happen. You know, today you see that in the, the United States and her allies, which include Australia, have invaded Iraq, uh, Libya, Syria, Yemen. So these are these are majority Muslim countries. But they're actually people that are actually being slayed and slaughtered on a daily basis. So you're going to find a lot of hatred um, from um, many Muslims around the world towards the United States and, and her allies. And um, th- th- this is a major problem. Politics and greed um, has uh, stepped in 
and 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 kind of like infiltrated religion, but the religions are peaceful in every in every single way. Okay, so basically to summarize, you know, both religions should be religions of peace, but whenever we get a I guess a union of religion and politics together then uh, that would be where the problem comes in. Was it, would you would you see that as being how it is? Yes, and greed, greed, and that is one thing. And we let us not forget when our Messiah Jesus, and I say as a Muslim, I say our Messiah Jesus, because the Quran says that Jesus is my Messiah, and He will re- return on the day of. Uh, uh, so there is a verse, um, chapter forty-three, verse sixty-one, and it says, and He. Jesus, the son of Mary, shall be a sign for the day of the coming hour. Therefore, have no doubt concerning it and follow me. This is the straight path. So Jesus is the Messiah of Islam as he is the Messiah of Christianity. And he will come and he he, went, he was very upset when he saw people were greedy and, and, and taking money off the poor. And he, he tipped the table over and, and said this is this was an, an unacceptable thing. So greed has also infiltrated in the name of religion and has caused a lot of a lot of bloodshed. It has indeed. Um, would love to keep talking here, Muhammad, but unfortunately we're out of time. But we do appreciate you joining us here on the show. Thank you so much. It's always good to get a perspective from a, a, a another religion. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Right now, it is time for question of the day. And what is our question of the day today, Minnie? A bit of a heavy one coming up, I understand. Yes. So in Ezekiel, um, God tells him that he is going to take away the desire of his eyes, and he is not to mourn or weep or anything. And then a couple of verses later, it says, um, "So his wife died that evening." So the desire of his, um, God says he will take away Ezekiel's wife. This is a this is a rough mm. this is a rough. So why passage. is this? Okay, so uh, I think that was uh, Ezekiel twenty four verse sixteen. Son of man, behold, I will take away from you the desire of your eyes. You can read wife. I will take away from you your wife with a stroke. Yet neither shall you mourn nor weep, neither shall your tears run down. And so I spoke to the people in the morning. So he told them in the morning, this is what God is going to do. And that evening, my wife died. That's harsh. Mm. That's really, really, that's really harsh right there because God tells him this. He goes out and tells the people. And I'm kind of thinking, what's his wife thinking? Because, Mm. you know, I don't know the background here. Was she already sick? Did she know what was going on or was she beyond that point? Or was this just a really sudden stroke? And she's like, what, 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 what's Ezekiel preaching? Was she a woman of faith like Isaac, you know, was a, a person of faith in accepting what God had said? You know, your life is going to end right now and this is how it's going to end. Um, or did she have a total meltdown and freak out? We don't have that story. But I can't imagine that this day in any way, shape or form had kind of anything good coming out of it for mm. Ezekiel at all. Uh, particularly knowing that his wife was going to be taken away just like that, just gone. And then she is. And he spoke about it that morning to the people. And then God has said, you're not allowed to cry. Mm. You're not allowed to mourn. You're not allowed to go barefoot. You're not allowed to put ashes on your head, which is all the things that they used to do back in those days uh, when they were mourning for somebody who had passed away. That was, that was how they found closure. That was, that was their, their traditions. That was their funeral traditions. 
And God says, you can't do any of that. None of the normal stuff. It'd be a little, a little bit like God coming to us to say, uh, us today and saying, you can't have a funeral. Aye. Ooh, really, really harsh stuff right here. Okay, so the question is, why? Mm. What is God doing? And this is, this is a theme that you're going to find throughout Ezekiel. Where Ezekiel, where God does, asks Ezekiel to do outlandish things. And this is pretty outlandish right here. Absolutely. Um, and so this is not the first time. You know, there's another place where it's like, go into the marketplace every day for 40 days and lie on your right side. Mm. And so he'd go into the marketplace and he'd lie down on his right side every day for 40 days. You know, another place he's told to go around naked for a while. Mm. You know, there's all of these kind of, what's God doing here? This is what God is doing. God, through Ezekiel, is doing acted out prophecies. Mm. And these are not small things. These are big. This is not God, to, you know, this is not the still small voice of God. This is God using a megaphone. Hmm. He's using a megaphone. He's screaming out to his people, guys, you're in apostasy. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your friends. You're going to lose the people that you love the most because the Babylonians are going to come and destroy you because of your idolatry. And he's using a megaphone to blast it out there. And he is harnessing the power of social media. <laughs> Because what he's doing is he's creating events that are going to get the entire population talking. Yes. You know, if you had this happen, you know that everyone would be talking about it. And so God is getting his message out in the most powerful way that he can at this particular time.